Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask now that you would meet us on this Ash Wednesday as we come to grips and confess our mortality, put signs of the cross and ashes on our forehead, and look to you, our hope of resurrection life. And so give us grace now to be receptive. Help us to know that however we find ourselves here at this moment, that you see us in all of our contradictions. You see us in all of our complexity. You see us in all the emotions that we carry right now. Help us to see that you look on us with compassion, always. And help us to trust that at this moment has been arranged by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm always struck by this particular passage because of that line where it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. I've always been intrigued by that little sentence. There's something kind of resolute about it, somber, sorrowful, determined, kind of all wrapped up into one. Jesus knew he had trouble that he was walking into on purpose, knowing that things were going to be difficult. And so he had to set his face toward Jerusalem. And in the gospel readings, and most of which you'll read in all of the gospels, as you'll see that time starts to slow down right about now. Things have been going quickly, and then when it gets to these points, the transfiguration, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, the action slows down. You might say that the music goes into kind of a minor chord. Um, things go slowly because everything is to be taken in slowly as Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. In these interactions, we see some statements and some responses, and I just want to look at three of them to be, in some ways, a way for us to have hope, but also to ask hard questions. And that's actually what Lent's about. It's about asking hard questions. It's an invitation to ask hard questions of yourself. Maybe these questions that you've been in denial about, uh, maybe questions that you've only brought up with a close friend or a therapist, but you still kind of repress them. Um, those hard questions, and we're going to ask some hard questions tonight as well. The first statement is, and it's actually one I mentioned in the sermon on Sunday, so if you weren't here, I know you all watched it already, because I know that's what you do. You, you watch every sermon, right? And every sermon, yeah, because you're good Christians. Um, but Jesus says, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Um, other manuscripts say, like Elijah, because that's certainly what's in the minds of these apostles. I mean, they're trying to get some hospitality. They're denied hospitality. And James and John, they have an idea. And they are drawing on ancient Hebrew scriptures. It's, uh, you might say they're being very, as I talked about on Sunday, biblical at this moment. Very biblical. After all, they, they know the stories about how Elijah called down fire. And if Elijah could do it, certainly this person who they've seen walk on water and feed 5,000 and heal people and raise people from the dead, surely the fire is very accessible. So we have, we have these weapons, may as well use them, goes the logic. They assume they must use this power as we often do when we have power for our own personal privilege. And come what may, people be damned. And Jesus rebukes them. He rebukes them. Um, other manuscripts add this, you don't know what spirit you are of. So he's implying that this is not my spirit. 
that's leading you to make that statement, even though you have a Bible story in your background as you say it. Very interesting. This comes from another spirit. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy the lives of human beings, but to save them. And so our first kind of Lenten hope that I want you to think about and carry with you through Lent is this idea that part of what happens is Lent is that we have a chance to rethink through our, in some ways, talking theologically, our doctrine of God. Who do we think God is? What is God like, really? I mean, we have so many messages. For some of us, like me, born and raised in in traditions that had some pretty heavy, violent, even wrathful ideas about God. Lent is a chance. Lent is a pause, um, an invitation, we might say, to ask ourselves, Jesus is giving a clear, more authoritative understanding of God to James and John. How do I need to hear that? Because they had, they had ideas about what God was like, and Jesus just threw a wrench in it. And he's asking them to make an adjustment, and believe me, they felt it. I and the Father are one, he would tell them, pointing to himself, he is saying, this is what God is like. Jesus would, could have reminded them in that moment that he had said these things. The goal, according to the Bible itself, is actually not to be biblical, which we talked about on Sunday, but rather, as the Apostle Paul calls it, to be conformed to the image of a book, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The goal is always Christ-likeness. I went on and on about this on Sunday, so you can go back and get more if you like. But if we want an angry, retributive God, a violent God, let me tell you something, you can find it in the Bible. The Bible will give it to us. But the Bible will also point us to a God who looks like Jesus. And Christian friends, I suggest the latter strongly. And for those searching faith, I hope that that's kind of a relief. So the hard question is, what embedded view of God needs to be once and for all discarded? Are you ready to have your understanding of God formed as you journey with Jesus? Where a God is revealed in Jesus Christ to be a God of radical, co-suffering love a love most clearly revealed on the cross Jesus is headed to throughout Lent. Because I can tell you, your understanding of God will drive so many things in your life, how you understand yourself, others, the world, just about everything. That's a really good Lenten discipline. Second thing is, is they say, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, Jesus, in kind of typical Jesus fashion, sometimes I say up here, mean Jesus comes out here, um, and he says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Way to kill the momentum. You've got people saying, I'll follow you wherever you go, and Jesus says, this is what it's going to be like. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus minces no words. He makes no promises, no empty promises of ease. And this is where Jesus is actually reminding them, I believe, of the incarnation, meaning Jesus joins us in our mortality. He joins us in being sleepy and tired. He joins us in being intentionally made to feel uncomfortable. He joins us in what it means to be human, 
Immortality is the attribute of God. It's not a human attribute. Immortality is given by God as a gift, what we call resurrection. In John chapter 13, Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Jesus was speaking of his death. Jesus went into death that we might follow Jesus even in dying. It's a great mystery. You may be saying they're saying, I hope the next thing you do is you're explaining exactly what that means. It's a mystery. Jesus leads us into death that he might lead us out of death. Which means that if you're following Jesus, it doesn't often feel, it, 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 and it doesn't actually often feel like a kind of death. You may not be following Jesus. Because it's going to feel like a death often. Death to acceptance and the unwritten rules of your own family systems, for example. Death to going along with the status quo. I need to put that to death. Death to an unwavering commitment to a life of comfort and ease. So a good Lenten question is, a hard one, what death is Jesus calling you to embrace this Lent? What death is Jesus calling you to embrace during this Lenten season? Because as, journey, as Jesus journeyed from Galilee down to Jerusalem in the spring of AD 30, he was on a journey to the grave. The same journey you're on, which we'll remind you of in just a moment. <laughs> a journey to the grave, the same journey. It will involve tears, suffering, sacrifice, and vigilance. But out of that, the Lenten hope is that we will discover in new ways that A, Jesus will always be with you on your courageous journey into death, whatever that means for you. And it reminds us that we need each other. If we're going to actually go on this journey, we need each other desperately. We've learned that a lot in the last two years, for sure. We're not meant to go on this journey alone. The claim, I will follow you wherever you go, is just a little too enthusiastic, a little too naive. It's a heroic claim, but it lacks the substance of a person who's been on the journey themselves. It feels like a brand new recruit's naivete rather than a seasoned veteran. And so this is why we need each other on the Lenten journey. Some have traveled it many times. Some of you are the first Ash Wednesday service you've ever been to in your life, and you're like, I'm just learning what the word means. I've always wondered. We're all at different places, but we all need each other on the Lenten journey because without it, we will surely bail. Rather than us saying, I'll follow you wherever you go, maybe a more authentic expression tonight for you could be, I want to follow you. I'm afraid of where you will take me, Jesus, but I'm going to trust you as I seek to follow you. The more seasoned traveler will tell you that Jesus will meet you in your suffering. Might not explain it, but will share it. And maybe that's what we need more than a quick explanation, but just to know we're not alone in this, in whatever suffering you're carrying tonight, and will redeem it. So are you ready to have your understanding of where God will take you must be formed as your journey with Jesus? And then one more, a third one. 
Let me bury my father first. Let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus rather famously says, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the reign of God. Again, another one of those moments where you're like, wow, that's rude. <laughs> that is, that's mean Jesus again. That's rude. That's harsh. Have some pastoral sensibilities here. How about it? You don't say it quite like that, but he did, apparently. Because here's the thing. I think Jesus knows that very good things like sacred duties, like going to the funeral of your family, of your parents. Those are good things. They're also the very things that will take you off the spiritual path. Good things can do this. Jesus is clearly saying that the call of the reign of God, Jesus is announcing, is absolute. It's the only thing that matters and lasts against all odds and obstructions. I mean, Jesus, again, think about his mindset. He's setting his face towards Jerusalem. There's nothing like that kind of heaviness to bring real clarity about what's most important. It's the only thing that matters against all odds and obstructions. Luke goes there, it seems, to say sacred spaces. Yes, even this must be second. So our Lenten hope in that regard, then, for could be that our priorities will be radicalized by Jesus. And there's a certain sense in which when we're following Jesus, our priorities may not make sense to people who aren't. And it could be a way of gauging whether I'm actually on the journey or not. Your priorities don't make sense to people anymore. They're not popular priorities often. But Jesus needs to say it, and it's because he knows that good things can take us off the path. Have you figured that out yet? Have you experienced that in your life? Have you figured out yet that the most precious, precious things in our life, our partners, our friends, our family, our marriage, our children, are commonly used in one way or another of avoiding or excusing yourself from really doing a deep dive on your own soul and your own story. And parents, have you figured out yet how important it is to make space for your own kids as they move from adolescence to post-adolescence and adulthood to cut that umbilical cord so your child may go on their own path and journey? which is one of the most scary things to do as a parent, but a real gift to your child. A path of individuation. I mean, could you tell a story right now from your own life? I'm not asking you to stand up and do it, but could you, <laughs> if I did? Where good things actually, in retrospect, derailed you in some way. It could be that sneaky. So the hard question is, what good thing is actually your stumbling block to making progress on your own spiritual journey? Because Jesus is going to demand priority for your own good. As Frederick Buechner said, Christ's love sees us with terrible clarity 
I think that's what's happening with Jesus now with these folks, with James and John. He sees us with terrible clarity and sees us whole. Christ's love so wishes our joy that it is ruthless against everything in us that diminishes our joy. So are you tonight ready to have your understanding of prioritizing Jesus formed? Maybe you open that question back up again in a more authentic and risky way than you ever have. This is what Lent is for in some ways. To open up these things that you've been very reluctant to even think about. So ashes remind us in Scripture of repentance, which just means change your mind. Turn around. As I was traveling through Israel-Palestine in 2014, our guide, Marlon Viss, he had a little little microphone like I do, and we all wore headsets, so he wouldn't have to scream all the time. It was really fun, because sometimes he'd forget to turn it off, and then you could hear him cuss and stuff. It's really great. But, uh, but he would say throughout the trip, he'd go down the wrong path, and he'd say, metanoia, metanoia, and everybody have to turn around. And then he would talk for 10 minutes about repentance. Metanoia, again, throughout the two weeks. And he kept telling us, this is what, this is what it means to be a Christian. You're constantly saying, metanoia. Repentance, mortality, in the somber light of my own mortality, how shall I live? How shall I repent and rethink my life before God? How does the eternal one who doesn't die require of me as one destined to die? Lots of ways to answer that, I suppose. There's one really succinct answer from the prophet Micah. When the question is asked, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly? To do justice. In what ways do I need to work on doing justice? To love mercy. In what ways? Think of it right now. And who? Let's just say it that way. Who do you need to extend mercy to right now? What's the name that comes up for you right now? To walk humbly. In what ways has my arrogance shut down the things I need to see about myself? How will I cultivate humility in my life? Humility, it's the characteristic that doesn't assume that you know. It doesn't assume that you see everything. It doesn't assume that you've got it figured out. Humility assumes that there are a number of blind spots and I need help to see them. Richard Rohr wrote, being human means acknowledging that we're made from the earth and will return to the earth. We are earth that has come to consciousness and then we return to where we started. In the heart of God, everything in between, and I love this sentence, is a school of love. A school of love. May our Lenten season 2022 be just that. Because that's really what I'm inviting you into. It's a school of love. And the school of love is difficult. The school of love asks hard questions, but not without hope. And we start tonight this Lenten journey with the reality of death and the hope of the cross.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you would give us courage. That you would give us courage to take whatever step we sense that you are calling us to take. I mean, after all, we're here right now. And these questions are being asked of us right now. So perhaps we should consider them questions that you really want us to think about. Give us courage to talk about these questions with people that are close to us. And give us such a deep, abiding sense of your presence during this Lenten journey that we will be way more bold than we would be without it. To do the deep dive on our soul, on our story, in our relationships in our relationship with you that you are calling us to right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.